scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 through 22. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for his sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. And baptism, which is this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The epistle of Peter, the first epistle of Peter to the group of people, Christians, who were scattered all over. The, the, the main theme of the epistle is encouragement to those Christians who were suffering. So the theme of suffering goes through the first epistle of Peter. And today we remember the people of the Bahamas. We remember people within the United States, states that have been affected by the hurricane. We remember that part of Canada that is also affected. We remember the families and the friends of those who lost their lives or injured during 9-11. We remember those who lost loved ones here in Dayton during a few weeks ago and all over our nation. We listen to the news and we know we have a lot of people who are suffering. Some for their faith around the world. Because it was to those people that Peter wrote a letter so that they could be encouraged. You may be suffering from something and nobody knows about it. But my friends, one time or the other, we go through suffering. Most of you may have known 
that one of the most helpful books of recent years has been Rabbi Harold Kushner's book titled, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And if you read the book again, you will realize that in the opening pages, this is what he writes. Like most people, my wife and I had grown up with an image of God as an all-wise, all-powerful parent who would treat us as our earthly parents did, or even better. If we were disobedient and deserving, rather, if we were obedient and deserving, he would reward us. If we got out of line, he would discipline us, reluctantly but firmly. God would see that we got what we deserve in life. But then came the diagnosis of the dreaded disease, which would take the life of their young son, and their faith was strained. They kept saying to themselves, this can't be happening. It is not how the world is supposed to work. And it caused them to have to rethink their whole theology of sin, of suffering, and of punishment. But we know it is not a new problem. It is as old as the book of Job and as new as the latest headlines from the hospital intensive care unit. When suffering and tragedy strike, we cry out, why? The families of 9-11 victims, why? The people of the Bahamas, why? The Carolinas within our nation, why? Why do people suffer? For many people, the most telling argument against faith in the, Christ, in the Christian God is the problem of human suffering. 
If there is a God, and if that God is as good as they say he is, then why? And why? And why? This is a problem only for those who already believe in God. Because if you don't believe in God, it's not a problem for you. We believe in a God that is all-powerful and all-knowing. And therefore, when things happen that we think should not happen, we ask the question, why? Because we have a God in whom we believe who is ready to hear our question. Suffering should be no problem at all for the atheist. Because if that person is an atheist, one who believes that there is no purpose to the universe or human existence, one who believes that everything that happens in the, is the result of blind chance, then suffering should, not, should really not be a real problem for them. But suffering is a problem for those who believe in God. We have somebody to talk to. We have somebody to ask why. Why? I mean, I, I went home for my brother's funeral. Third in line, you know, in my, in my siblings' count. Maybe I did not ask why, because I have a faith in God and understand a little bit more about life and death, that we are not here to live forever. But he has children. One just graduated medical school, one is going to law school, one is graduating from high school. You want to tell me they're not asking God why? The guy who took them to church Sunday after Sunday. He has a wife. You want to tell me the young wife is not asking why? He has brothers and sisters apart from me. You want to tell me they are not asking why? I remember when Jesus' disciples asked him, who sinned that this man or his parents that he was born blind? Who sinned that this man is suffering? Jesus never really answered their question. But he did say that the man's suffering was not caused either by his own sin or that of his parents. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Do we believe that people suffer just because they are not good people? We have a God 
We believe in God. The man was not born blind because of sinful nature. The man was born blind so that God's name will be glorified. And so at times when things happen to us, we have a testimony to share. And the testimony gives us an opportunity to lift up somebody else in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe in that, say amen. amen. Ask any pastor, and they will tell you that one of the questions asked most often of them in their ministry is this. Why is this happening to me? If you have never asked that question, my friends, or if you have never asked the question, where is God when it hurts, one day you will. You may not need my message this moment, but you may need it in the next minute or the next month or when anything happens, when you ask the question, where is God? when it hurts. There are three basic problems that are common to everyone, everywhere, at some time in their life. I believe that. Three basic problems common to everyone, everywhere, sometime in their lives. There are sickness, sorrow, and suffering. You may temporarily escape one of, or even two of these, but you will never escape all three. Pause for a moment. Think about it. Three basic problems. Sickness, sorrow, and suffering. Even the most Christian of people are not exempt from pain and from suffering. The greatest Christian of all, the Apostle Paul, knew what it was to have problems. He understood what it, it, it was to, to, to suffer. In fact, Paul closes the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians telling how he had been shipwrecked, whipped, robbed, mugged, betrayed, jailed, and left for dead. His highway of holiness had been paved with hurt, heartache, and hardship. Everything happened to him. That guy who wrote 13 epistles in the scripture. Everything happened to him. It was not an easy journey for him, my friends. Because in this chapter, he mentions a problem that was so difficult, so painful, and so unbearable that even with his great faith, he found himself asking the question, where is God when it hurts. We go through it. We're humans. 
Where is God when it hurts, my friend? Have you ever asked God to heal you of a sickness or relieve you of a sorrow or alleviate your suffering, but he didn't do it? Well, join the club. One of the things that suffering does is remind us of our mortality. It reminds us of just how frail we are. It reminds us of just how dependent upon God we really are, and it forces us to focus on God. In other words, no matter what you're going through, my friends, you still have a God. Amen? You still have a God. And that God is not going to abandon you. The journey may be long. The road may be bending and winding. But your God is not going to abandon you. Because God is there for you. And that is why C.S. Lewis called suffering and pain God's megaphone. God's megaphone. Here is what he said. God whispers to us in our pleasure. Speak to us in our conscience, but shout to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse our deaf world. God is there. Through the pain, God is saying to us, are you listening? God is saying to us, I am not going to abandon you. And at times, this is just for a moment. This is just for a moment. But God is there, my friends. And this morning, let me challenge all of us to know that the pain that we go through, the suffering that we experience, the sorrows that we swim through, we don't do it without God knowing and understanding what we're going through. Do you believe in God this morning? Then rest assured. Rest assured, my friends, that no matter what the circumstances of life, you can say to yourself, I am never alone. Amen? I am never alone because my God is still alive and is on the throne. And this is what he said to the Apostle Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. And it is that grace of God that we pass on to one another this morning. And if you're sitting close to somebody this morning, just look at the person or turn around and say to that person, God's grace is sufficient for you. Let's do it together. God's grace is sufficient for you. Yeah, you guys don't follow instruction. The instruction was you look at the person. You don't look at the preacher. So that uh, somebody said that was practice. Okay, practice does not make perfect, but practice leads to improvement. So let us improve 
ourselves this morning and look at somebody and say, God's grace is sufficient for you. Let that be our breakthrough prayer number two. That indeed, no matter what we're going through, God's grace is sufficient. That's what he said to the Apostle Paul. And that's what he's saying to each of us this morning. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.